0: How can ethnic communities be encouraged to represent Christ in ways that would be relevant to them?
1: How do we remove those layers upon layers of um, self-understanding based on the color of our skin in order to mine for or access what Howard Thurman is talking about?
2: Welcome to all God's children. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go and talk about that taboo trinity, race, religion, and politics. Thank you for joining the Raceless Gospel Podcast, where word meets flesh, and where we gather to talk about the sticks and stones that break the skin and bones of the body of Christ and the structure of a church service. I am your host and podcast pastor, Starlet Thomas. The Raceless Gospel Podcast Season 2 is brought to you through the generous support of Fellowship Southwest and American Baptist Home Mission Societies. On today's podcast, I am joined by Lauren Lisa Ng and Don Ng. Rev. Lauren Lisa Ng serves as Director of Leadership Empowerment at American Baptist Home Mission Societies and is currently completing a Doctor of Ministry in Creative Leadership at Central Baptist Theological Seminary. Rev. Don Ng was the Senior Pastor of the First Chinese Baptist Church in San Francisco for 17 years and served in the American Baptist Church's USA's Educational Ministries for 20 years. In this episode, we will discuss America's obsession with Jesus' body, how race forms, informs, and malforms our own, and what message our image of Christ's body sends to others. There's plenty of room in the Amen Corner as we talk about the North American Church's body image. First, won't you pray for us? And do pray with me. God who told us not to make graven images... Still, we broke the second commandment and framed it in our homes and your sanctuaries. Forgive us. We are guilty as charged, though charged to worship you in spirit and in truth. We repent for coloring in your face, for mass producing your mystery, for commodifying and racializing your son's appearance. How did our human hands pin you down? Because you don't come in our favorite color or culture, Because you are self-existent and live independent and outside of our color lines, minds, and imaginations. We confess that we are created in your spitting image, yet we don't even give that fact an honorable mention. Won't you remind us of who we are in you? Because race has us confused, all mixed up, tongues tied to color-coded depictions. We can only see ourselves through these white supremacist prescriptions. We crossed our hearts and we're supposed to die with Christ, but somehow these stereotypes keep coming up. Though we said we wanted a new life, born again. Jesus can only be our friend, our Savior, if he is socially colored white, beige, brown, black, red, and yellow. Deliver us from the body of this death. This is another gospel. This message isn't right. In the name of Jesus, who was a Middle Eastern man, a Palestinian Jew, we pray. Amen. When I was growing up in the South in the early 1990s, when we passed notes in class as it was long before Snapchat, during the worship service, persons offered a testimony. It was a weekly update on how God was at work in our lives. We began, first giving honor to God, who is the head of my life, to the pastor, visitors, saints, and friends. Well, today I want to testify about the North American church's body image. Race is a sociopolitical construct, a long word and a long way of saying that human beings made it up. Not revelation brought down from a mountain like Moses in Exodus, but it was built into a system of oppression from the tip of our tongues up, which is why I talk it down and break race down to what it is. A four-letter word, race, curses all of us. Made in the image of God, race is an idol that gets in the way of human beings seeing ourselves clearly. It is another golden calf that strips us down to next to nothing. Mere skin and bones, all body but no soul. Race leaves out the God-breathed inspiration that makes us unique living souls. Because we wouldn't fit into the box Because if we knew this truth fully, then we wouldn't check the box because it is poppycock. So we have to tear it down. Yes, racism exists, but it is supported by a belief system. Race begot racism. We cannot have one without the other. Racism and its progeny are the children, but race is the mother. Close our mouths and shut her womb. We could speak about each other differently, we would in turn see each other differently because we are not beige, that is mixed race, black, brown, red, yellow, and white people physically. Race is a contract that we have agreed on for generations and as a society. Without reading the fine print and taking note of all the fees and penalties, it's adding up. It's too much. Tear it up. We are just words away from a new world and the new way of being that we pray God's kingdom come. Most often recited on communion Sundays, we remember Christ's body and then color him in as our own. Because he is Savior only if he is one of our own. If he ain't skin to me, then he ain't kin to me. Right? Wrong? Wrong? The life and death of this old world and old way of seeing ourselves and others as color-coded is in the power of our tongues. Besides, we are not supposed to know Jesus that way. Paul wrote about it. For the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one died for all so that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. Yes, race is all we have known, and it is not even skin deep, because race is not foundational to our identity. Instead, it creates a limiting binary reality, black and white, us and them, majority and minority. But this is not how God pictures us. It is not the bigger picture. Tear it up. This is not Christ's body image. Our scripture reading is Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26a. It reads this way in the New Revised Standard Version. And God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. This is the word of God. For the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is Reverend Starlet Thomas, your podcast pastor, and we'll be right back. Fellowship Southwest is a network of churches organized around compassion. FSW is agile, ecumenical, and willing to do whatever it takes to serve people in need. Their network includes all kinds of churches, and they like it that way. At FSW, your church can be itself and your mission can be multiplied. Learn more at fellowshipsouthwest.org. American Baptist Home Mission Societies is your partner in mission and ministry, empowering God's people for today's real-life challenges. Through continuing education that sharpens ministry skills, mission trips that put faith into action, and a virtual platform for ministry professionals to network and learn from one another, American Baptist Home Mission Societies helps you live your faith every day. Visit American Baptist Home Mission Societies at abhms.org to find out more. This is Reverend Starlet Thomas, welcoming you back to this episode of the Raceless Gospel Podcast. Welcome Lauren Lisa Ng, who has a distinct passion for entrepreneurial models of ministry and the emerging leaders who pursue them, and Don Ng who chairs the Friends of Northeast Christian University Board that raises resources for a university in Northeast India, the Pacific Coast Baptist Association, and co-chairs the Asian Colloquium for Asian American Baptist Pastors. For today's sermon, we will engage in the tradition of call and response, a sacred back and forth. Feel free to join in as an official member of the Amen Corner. Pray for us as we discuss the church in North America's body image. So David Benner, uh, he says in the gift of being yourself, uh, the sacred call to self-discovery, God is the only context in which our being makes sense. According to the creation narrative in the book of Genesis, God called the creation of human beings good. We have our own origin stories that shape our body image. So then what calls us bad or not good enough? How then do we get back to this holy goodness and get next to the God who makes sense of who we are.
1: Mm. I underlined when you asked about what calls us bad or not good enough, yeah. and um, what are the origin stories that shape our body image? And Starlet, I just started thinking back immediately to what it was like as a Asian American girl growing up um, in southeastern Pennsylvania in the eighties and the nineties, and. I sus- subscribed to all those magazines. I don't know, ah, 17, 17, YM, Sassy, we had the all these suit. things. Same experience, right? And I remember what it felt like to never see myself on those pages. And it was interesting because growing up, I was just a kid growing up in the 80s and 90s. And it wasn't until, I mean, this was, there was no internet, right? So magazines and what limited television shows you had access to was your sort of window to a highly curated outside world. And so it wasn't until I saw those images of people who didn't look like me, but were clearly um, being defined as the standard of beauty uh, that I realized, oh, there's I'm not just the world. Isn't just going to see me as a kid growing up in the eighties and nineties. I'm clearly something else, um, as well to the world. So I was thinking about pop culture. I was thinking about 16 candles long duck dong. Okay. Those of you yeah. have seen that know yeah. exactly who I'm talking about. I was thinking about short round from Indiana Jones. Yeah. And I was thinking about a little bit later in probably what was in middle school for me. Um, Cassandra Wong played by Tia Carrere in Wayne's World, highly hypersexualized. Yeah. Uh Cassandra Wong. And so, uh these were the images. I mean, this is what defined my my body image. You know, I was either I was less than or substandard to what I saw there and then obviously the hypersexualized or um um I don't even like to use the term demasculinized because because uh, they're what is masculinity and what is femininity but in order to kind of be able to um articulate to our listeners what I'm trying to say that sort of de- demasculinization of Asian men as well um for comic relief and as sort of you know uh, the person that gets kicked kicked and, and shoved um, um by the white protagonist and so um those were the images yeah yeah that I grew up with and and my dad and I were reflecting a little bit on the self hate that emerges so often from um, the AAPI community and other and other communities. I'm sure, um, which goes so far as to you know these trends these these trends that you see among Asian females who undergo surgery um, to you know add an eyelid crease. Yeah. And I've had so many people say to me in my life, Asians and non-Asians, but mostly Asians, say, oh, are you fully Asian or do you have, are you part white as well? Because you've got that, you've got the line, you've got the crease in your eye. I'm so jealous you have it. Again, one of those things. So anyway, those are just some of my initial thoughts about body image and what caused us bad and not good enough.
0: You may not be able to see this, Dalit, but I don't have a double lid in my eye. Uh, so
2: you know that makes no difference to me. I'm,
0: I'm not as I'm not as beautiful as our daughter. Yes, Lauren. you are.
2: <laughs> oh
1: my goodness!
2: Don't you dare! <laughs> That's
1: right. Uh,
0: but speaking about physical features, as Lauren has already mentioned, uh, that is a obviously a, a very significant part of our body image, whether we like it or not. Uh, people see us for who we are and as a uh, male Chinese American uh, growing up in Roxbury which uh, uh, is uh, part of uh, a Boston neighborhood that is currently predominantly black but when I was growing up um, there were already many many black uh, 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 friends of mine so as a uh, Asian-American man, I was always too short. Um, as a Asian-American man compared to white Americans, I was uh, too weak. And uh, and so I, I always felt belittled both emotionally as well as physically. And uh, just like Lauren mentioned about uh, what is attractive as a woman, I felt like I wasn't masculine enough to even compete. So I can't run as fast. I can't play basketball as well. I mean, it's all of that that defines what it means to be a male person with uh, physical uh, prowess, which I think uh, 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 Asian American men today continue to face is this sense of you know uh, who is strong enough, who is strong you know fast enough, tall enough and on and on. But I would also add um, that uh, as you mentioned in your question Stalid uh, in regards to uh, creation, uh, what has made a difference to me is that when we take a look at Psalm 8 verse 5 where uh, the psalmist says that we are created, Uh, just a bit lower than God or other translations will be a little lower than angels. I mean, what a positive message in addition to Genesis where human beings are created in God's own image. So this Imago Day is something that we hold up as a way of saying to ourselves, regardless of whether you're white, black, or Asian, that we are indeed created in God's image. Now that, I would say is a theological affirmation, but in light of what Lauren and I just said, there is also a anthropological understanding. And this is where race comes in and colorism comes in. And that's why uh, racial justice and uh, eliminating racism and prejudice and all of that is so important because you see, well, we have this theological understanding, we still, Operate in this world with this very physical perception of who we are. And because of that, we need to then not only invite, include, but to affirm all of our diversity as being all good, all created a little lower than angels.
2: So, in my tradition, I would have started hollering and saying, Preach. <laughs> My gosh, I'm taking notes. Oh, please do. Listeners don't know this, but he he snuck in a preach. He said, "Invite, include, and they call it all good. It's all good because we're made a little lower. Angels. I love that verse. That is certainly a way in which to get next to God.
1: Hmm. Yeah,
2: certainly a way to do it is to remind ourselves of where we really are, despite where society has placed us. Um, But America has done a work on Jesus. Uh, My my second question uh, leads to that. Um, Edward J. Blum and Paul Harvey, they write in uh, The Color of Christ, the Son of God and the Saga of Race in America. Uh, When Christianity's premise of divine incarnation in the particular bodily form of Jesus collided with the American obsession with race, representations of the holy became critical to the nation's identity and struggles. He asks, How does one address debates and differences within ethnic communities about how Jesus should be represented? Uh, Americans are obsessed with Jesus's body image. In your estimation, how do we separate race from faith?
1: My dad's experiences coming from a different generation might might be different from mine, but for me growing up um, in a predominantly uh, white dominant church culture, uh, the Asian, American um, faith community. I didn't see us debating and struggling and arguing much. We inherited mm-hmm. a, um, a, a colonialized, you know, imperialistic um, depiction of an inter- interpretation of Jesus uh, Christ, our Savior in bodily incarnate form, and so um, I remember the church we were growing up in. You know, we had the the meek Jesus with the lamb, you know, the lamb and a stained glass. I mean, that's who, that's who Jesus wants me. That's, that's what we inherited or what I inherited. And it wasn't until later on in life when I saw uh, Sadao uh, Watanabe's biblical prints, uh, famous Japanese um, uh, print, uh, block print artist, uh, that I was just, my mind was just blown. My spirit was just like, jumping out, out, of my, out of my bones. It was like, oh my goodness. But what's interesting is, um, not, I mean, it brought balance for me uh, to, to that sort of dominant visual narrative that I had grown up in, I'd grown up with. But I always saw Asian depictions of Jesus as depictions of Christ, not as accurate representations of Christ. I think that's a, there's a difference there, and, and I, I'd have to spend more time thinking about what leads to those differences. But as a, as a woman of color, I, again, if I see images of, a, of an Asian Jesus, that's a, that is a depiction of something that can never be bound or fully defined by race or color. It's just another way, right? Uh, I know that, that we'll, we'll talk later about not being able to see clearly yet, seeing only dimly, right? So it's another way of of getting a a, a a glimpse of or a view into um, who Christ is uh, in his in in his humanity and divinity. But I think that for the dominant white church culture that those images of Jesus that I grew up with in the stained glass uh, window in my church in Pennsylvania is not just a depiction. Like that was Jesus. That was like supposed to be an accurate re- representation of who he was. Um, so that's just one of the nuanced differences that I, I love it. That I see. I
2: love it. Come on and teach. That's very helpful.
0: Let me add to what Lawrence just said. Um, I would say that our history in missions as well as colonialism uh, play into our understanding of, of how American and European, basically, uh, uh, basically uh, cultures that hail from a Western perspective have uh, uh, dominated our understanding of what Jesus looked like. And so, uh, in addition to what Lauren said, uh, we know of uh, this image of Jesus. This is Warner Salman picture. He was uh, born in the late 1800s. According to Wikipedia, the head of Christ was painted in 1940. And so when you take a look at Warner, Warner Salman's Uh, depiction. Uh, This portrait was not only in my home church in Boston, it was also in my home in the church I served in San Francisco. So even the missionaries who were commissioned from the East Coast, the the people who did uh, work in the United States brought the same image of what Jesus looked like from the East Coast to the West Coast, as well as around the world. So everybody subscribed to this and nobody was afraid, I mean, was afraid to challenge this because you see, the missionary movement also was paired intricately to the point where you cannot dissect it from American imperialism or American hegemonic spread of power and control, which includes culture. And so even the people in Asia, for example, and we can add South America and Africa and all the other continents, this is the only way they depicted Jesus. It's because the missionaries brought also capitalism and Americanism. Uh, And so that has to be critically dissected and looked at so that we can separate culture from Christ, who you know the, the 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 essential meaning of what Christianity is, because we have in, infused it or, or or combined them so much that people just take everything for granted.
2: Now, this Americanization of the gospel, yes, and Jesus uh, is, is definitely a struggle and a strain when when talking about it with other people from other parts of the world. Um, Because we capitalize on that image which is why we have a patriotic gospel and a prosperity gospel we have a bobblehead jesus and we have a surfer jesus and we have jesus the rock star i mean i can go on and on. jesus a superstar i mean (laughs) it's because of the ways in which we've been able to manipulate that image for our own purposes even though how he looks it is important that he came in the flesh but the fact that we focus on the physicality of jesus says everything about the work of race that is at play yeah and it makes us focus on his physicality as well and it makes a difference how he looks not what he did how he looks, yeah. how you look to
1: me. Uh, that is the trick that race plays. Uh, including his, in, including male, including maleness. I mean, oh, I absolutely. Know you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Because I mean, and even that could be a whole nother another it, <laughs> episode it absolutely that could. we'll have. Um, Down yeah. to the the, 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 the the texture of his hair, to the
2: color of his eyes, to his jawline, line, all of that communicates who Jesus yes. is with, who Jesus yes. belongs to who Jesus identifies with.
0: Yeah, so, it, it, so in some ways, uh, while I am critical of Juana S- Solomon's head of Christ, it is a, an attempt, if we take a look at it critically, an American version of who Jesus is. Oh yeah. It is not the universal depiction of Jesus, but it's only an American version like you said, Starlet, the, uh, the American nose, the, the, the high cheekbone, okay. the brown hair. Okay, so what, but I wanna make the point that the incarnation of God in Jesus still means that Jesus was uh, born in Nazareth or in yeah. Bethlehem. He's a Galilean. And yeah. so God made God's self known in a particular group of people. Right. And, um, and that's how we know God, is through this, uh, this uh, willingness of God to reveal God's self through a Jewish person. Now, because of Western Christianity dominating the whole world, it did not allow ethnic groups to uh, also draw their own head of Christ. Oh, no. You see, because you see then people, the dominant culture will say, that's heresy. Mm. And we don't wanna be heretical, right? We can get burned at the stake. Uh, But your related question is, how can ethnic communities uh, be encouraged to represent Christ in ways that would be relevant to them. And I think that's the challenge that we have uh, today that uh, all Christian communities uh, hailing from their various ethnic, cultural, racial backgrounds should be encouraged to depict who the Lord is in their own context. And that's not being heretical, that's just, Trying to say the cosmic Christ that saves humanity can also be understood in our very particular cultural context.
2: But doesn't Jesus show up in many different ways? In ways yeah. identified, he showed up, and they and he thought, they thought he was yeah. the the gardener.
1: Yeah, right. didn't even that, know who he
2: was. It is, the problem right. is that that whiteness is is is, is deemed synonymous with Christ likeness. That's the yes. problem. That whiteness is now a social righteousness, which is then equivocated to mean salvation in some way. That salvation through Christ, yeah, that that salvation through Jesus Christ includes cultural assimilation. Yeah,
0: yeah. So in the Asian American church, for example, um, uh, and I want to say Asian American church here in the United Mm -hmm. States, I don't know of anybody who have depicted Jesus outside of he being Uh, white or from the Middle East. Now, what we have done here is to uh, substitute the elements of the Lord's Supper, rather than grape juice and bread, we have used tea and what we call bao, which is a kind of a, uh, a Chinese dim sum, okay? Now,
2: <laughs> I love it, okay, and so, you see, me, but I'm, that just feels like home to me. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. You see, so Asian-American uh, uh, theologians as well as practitioners are pushing, pushing the boundaries to say, we could still celebrate Holy Communion with Chinese-American elements.
1: Mm-hmm. but we
0: have not gone so far as to make Jesus Asian. Now, the church in Asia has so the um, the Amity Foundation, which is the uh, state-approved Christian church in China. You'll see a lot of uh, Chinese drawings of Jesus in Chinese robes, uh, teaching and preaching in Chinese settings. But you see that is still from the Asian American church point of view as foreign, we have not gone far enough or have mature enough to, to go the next step. That's, that's what I'm saying to these two D-min candidates here. I think we need <laughs> some work done here. Someone need to have a D-min degree. Well,
1: that, that goes back to the origin stories of that's our good. faith, of yeah. our faith origin stories. right? I mean, we were raised and 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 reared in the in in the oxygen of of a white Jesus, um, exactly. and so you know I I I am still getting to know a mm. Jesus that is not white mm. uh, before I will begin to you know create the depictions of uh, of who of what that might look like. So, but that that that.
2: This is why the inward journey is so important. Howard Thurman, he he writes in the inward journey that whatever may be the occasion, um, there comes a deep necessity, which leads you finally into the closet with yourself. It is here that you raise the real questions about yourself. The leading one is, uh, what is it after all that I amount to ultimately? Such a question cuts through all that is superficial and trivial in life to the very nerve center of yourself. At such a moment, at such a time, you must discover for yourself, what is the true basis for your self-respect? Race says that all we are and ever will be is based on the social coloring oh. of skin, the amount of melanin we possess. Uh, what is the North American church's bodywork around the socio-political construct of race? Because it sounds like there's gonna be a lot of um, deconstruction, decolonizing, de-racializing. Um, that's so powerful though, that you're still getting to know Jesus because this white mm-hmm. Jesus <laughs> takes up so much space. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, the first social critique I received as a child was based on my color. Mm. I mean, it wasn't, oh, you know, you're, you could do a little bit better at paying attention in in class, Lauren, or you could, (laughs) you know what I mean, you could spend a little more time, um, you know. Being, 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 being cautious or, or being thoughtful around your friends. I mean, it was not that it was, it was that my first social critique was around the color of my skin. And it happened pretty much in the same year span, both by peers, uh, um, you know, students making fun of me on the bus and a teacher who uh, felt that maybe my, my, my lack of, um, my inability to, to score a good, a good mark in her class may have been due to English possibly being my second language. Um, which English is my only and primary language. But again, something- uh, You want me a, to get her? A, a determined, L, yeah, she's just gone, <laughs> <laughs> My mom got her, my mom Did
2: you see got my her. head just moved to the <laughs> side? You, I, I can't stand when people, you want me to get her for you? I know, I might. we <laughs> are on really the podcast that, and I feel a bond, I feel a closeness. Once you're on the podcast, I just feel like we're related. <laughs> oh, and so right. I, we can have a, you know, come to Jesus meeting. We can pray for we you. Can. I believe in laying hands. <laughs> I believe Amen. there's healing and
1: deliverance. Amen. It's Amen. just incredibly <laughs>
2: insulting. Uh, people. I, I I just, know. It just, right. it just it gets, it gets on my nerves. And so I, I had a, I had
1: a, <laughs> I, love I had it. a reaction.
2: I love it.
1: So, I mean, so what do we do? What do we, what, you know, when, when those are the first either social critiques or social affirmations yeah. that we receive um, in our time on this earth, walking this earth, Um, how do we, I I was on another podcast recently or another interview recently, and I was talking about removing the sediment. How do we remove those layers upon layers of, um, self-understanding based on the color of our skin, uh, in order to mine for, or access, uh, you know, what Howard Thurman is talking about (laughs) and, um. It, it, it dawns on me, you know, I had a conversation recently with a, a, a church planter um, in New York, and she has an intentional uh, call and vision for, a, uh, for an intentionally multicultural church and multiracial church, and um, is having difficulty gaining traction. Um, she herself identifies as a Black woman. And so we had this interesting conversation around, you know, well, who is who is or what is the black church, the Latinx church, the Asian church, right? Um, And how do we kind of pull apart, recognize and pull apart the value and significance of our cultures, our our distinct and diverse and beautiful cultures and ethnicities from uh, the oneness that we know we are to seek as the body of Christ. So, one of my favorite passages is from Ephesians 4. Um, you know, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father, Mother, Parent of all who was all and through all and all, right? So, um, so that's a struggle that I'm, I'll just admit I'm, I don't know. I don't know where I am with that right now because I, I took this class in my MDiv program around what is the dis- distinct Asian American ecclesiology. And the thing that my dad just talked about with the tea and the bow, I mean, that was, that was one student's project. Um, I remember writing a song that was like, you know, the content the lyrics of the song were very much are are expressing who I am as an Asian American female Christian. And so we were like trying to, trying to like form or cultivate a unique Asian American ecclesiology. And I'm still sitting with that like 15 years later where I'm like, is that the goal or, or how much of the goal is that? And then where does it move into, um, seeking a, 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 you know, a oneness again, um, as the whole still diverse, but unified, uh, body of Christ.
2: So good.
0: Uh, my response to, uh, Thurman's, uh, quote, uh, is that, uh, we need to do hard work. Um, The only way uh, individuals are going to arrive to what Thurman uh, talked about in regards to self-respect is uh, hard work, the willingness for people to uh, understand oneself. It reminds me of uh, Abraham um, Maslow self actualization steps. Um, unless people have even the opportunity of not worrying about where they're going to get their next meal, or how are they going to pay uh, their next uh, uh, rent, we don't have time to do the hard work of understanding who we are. So true. So Let's stop criticizing critical race theory.
2: Yeah. Come on, sir.
0: Let's do the hard work and understand how race has defined who we are as a country, right? Let's don't allow white communities uh, get away from not reading white fragility. They have to read that book, right?
2: I'm about to cash up you.
0: And we all have to read, Kent. Uh, I'm
2: about <laughs> to cash app you, Pastor dot. No, because he's preaching. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, Lauren, but your father is preaching.
1: I, amen, amen.
2: <laughs> okay. You see my phone? I'm giving cash app you, sir. Hands <laughs> in uh, the air. Speaking a word.
0: Yeah. I mean, when, when I think about um, doing the hard work, uh, either we choose to do it ourselves or God will do it for us. All right?
2: So you better preach.
0: <laughs> God is not going to let us still end up being sinful people. And I think about the Apostle Paul, right? He goes around persecuting people, right? God what? won't let him do that anymore. What? So he struck him down on the road to Damascus. What did he do, Don? What did he, he do? he blinded him so that he can't even walk anymore until he got transformed, right? Yes, sir. Right? and then he figured it out and then he spent the rest of his life being one of the greatest theologians of all time you see you
2: better testify (laughs) he's telling us what god will do
0: you see the apostle paul came of age because he understood his selfness yes thurman said and i think that's the kind and paul is just a male model there are women models there are young people's models. we just need to say to people look unless you want to be whole again
2: mm-hmm.
0: you gotta do the hard work yeah people off uh-huh. you know from doing this and and so you know it, it doesn't just come of age although age does help Young people also, I mean, that's why we call it uh, the uh, age of accountability or when someone can profess their faith toward uh, baptism to accept Jesus as Lord and savior. I mean, these are all milestones of life but they are steps toward full self-actualization or full sense of self-respect as Thurman said. That's what I would say to that question.
2: He said he, listen, he's he's made all this racket, you know, just wrecked the whole conversation and then says, Well, that's all I would say. You that's know. all I gotta say. I'm over here disheveled. Uh, I'm, I'm trying I'm, to get myself together. I'm <laughs> I am undone
1: right now. No, God's not done with you, Dad. <laughs> My Lord. <laughs> not at all. There's Are no you retirement. No. Nope. <laughs> no, sir, uh, no, and we're not done with this conversation,
2: this, this next question. I, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> mind-blowing. So H- Hagar calls God Elroyi, uh, asking, can I still see God after God saw me? Uh, and Karen Gonzalez, she writes in The God Who Sees and The Journey to Belong, God is present with anyone who is treated as a human resource instead of a human being. Uh, what images do we need to be stripped of in order to see each other? not as strangers, but neighbors, not immigrants, but all citizens, not as some socially constructed other, but nothing more or less than human beings. What is the body work and how do we do it? Uh, What tools and texts do we need? Uh, And what is the God that we see we cannot relate as human beings?
0: Are you looking at me?
2: (laughs) (laughs) She's not getting ready to jump in on that. You're already on a roll. Come on, spirit.
0: I'm pulling up my Bible here.
2: Speak she a said, word. That's what you do. Come on. I know. <laughs> I got man. my Bible app. I'm ready.
0: I have my red American Baptist Bible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Talk to us. Teach us. What do we do, Elder?
0: Well, I think this is where Lauren mentioned too about First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. And um You know, we we all want to be able to see completely, but as Paul mentioned, for now we see in a mirror and uh, your raceless gospel mission, uh, Starlet kind of reminds us too, that uh, we see each other and we see our differences, but we also see our commonness, common identity. Um, But I think my point is, is that for now, we can only see, uh, in part, and then we'll be able to see face to face. Wow. And while God has known us fully in creation, uh, we will eventually know, uh, fully as well as we are already fully known by God. And so we are on a journey and until Christ returns, we, are. Uh, only able to see a glimpse of what God's plan is for us. Um, I always use this uh, phrase of having a foretaste. We, we only can taste a little I mean, it's the appetizer of a uh, seven course meal if you wanna say. Uh, we won't eat the entree or enjoy the entree until much later but this that, that doesn't mean that we can't consume or we are not satisfied. Sometimes the uh, appetizer is pretty filling itself, <laughs> uh, and so I, I think for us to, uh, you know, think about the future. I where I was going with this is, I I, I asked myself. Uh, what is the prime goal for people in life? Mm. You know, I mean, when, when you uh, distill all the different goals, you know, some people will say, Oh, I want to get a college education, or I want to buy a house, or I, I want to have a good family, or whatever. I think if you summarize all of that, people are thinking about, I want to be successful. And I want to survive. I think they're related. But all of these specifics all eventually end up. I want to be successful and I want to survive. My question is can we have a different prime goal? And that is to see each other as God sees us. My Lord. And this gets to your question about not seeing each other as strangers anymore, but as neighbors. But as long as we are driven to only be successful and to survive, yeah. we won't have the luxury of seeing each other as God sees us.
1: I if your go- father is a prophet. This goes back to the, <sighs> I've, been telling, I've been trying to tell people. This goes back to what we talked about, about um, it requires work you know, that yeah. it requires work. Um, I remember, you know, he, he, he might, he, has been, he's been teaching, uh, Starlet as, as you probably know for a very long time, not just in his retirement. Um, when he and I served, uh, on staff together at first Chinese Baptist Church in San Francisco, he was actually my boss, my supervising pastor. Um, I remember a staff meeting where, We were planning for one of our annual, uh, probably I think it was probably like a Stewardship Sunday or something like that. And that was always one of the services, one of a handful of services each year where it was a combined English and Chinese speaking service. And let me just tell you, for those of you who have not been to a combined English and Chinese speaking service, they are long they are long. <laughs> and so, and and probably each per each person, whatever speaker you are thinks that the other, the, the translation is longer than it is in your own primary <laughs> language. Or you're like, really, I felt like I said 10 words and it's taking like a hundred words to say what I just said. So these services are long and it can be hard. And there's always a big meal afterwards. Everyone's stomachs are ground and they're getting ready for the, you know, the Chinese, you know, multi-course meal banquet meal. And so we were in the staff meeting, and my dad is saying, "Yeah, we're going to have a combined Chinese and English-speaking service." And the rest of the staff were all like, "No, no, no! Please, please, please! Can we just do them separately? It'll be a lot faster." And I remember him teaching us then, and saying and talking about the four of heaven, yeah. and saying, "When you are standing there listening to a full prayer in a language that you don't understand, but in a language that the Spirit speaks, right?"
2: Yes. And
1: uh, that that um. That, that, that is the closest we get. That's the appetizer course. That's the closest we get sometimes um, to the image of, of heaven. And so, yeah, we're going to sit through that and we're not going to just sit through that. We're going to worship through that. Um, the other thing I want to say about this question is that, um, you know, the part about how do we see each other as nothing more or less than human beings? Um, that's a complex... Concept, because again, we are breathing the air. We are in the soup of a, 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 a an, an ethos and even an ideology that 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 tells us that we are not just human beings, okay. right? That that okay. are that the color of our skin it precedes okay. that humanity. And so, I actually wrote a, wrote a poem recently about that was sort of a condemnation towards people, primarily people who identify as white or Caucasian who say, I don't see you as different. I just see you as a human. Now, here's the thing. You would think at face value, that's what we're aiming for, right? Well, yeah, I want you to see me as human, but you cannot do a leapfrog of denial.
2: Absolutely <laughs> you not. You cannot
1: leapfrog.
2: Absolutely not. <laughs> right? <on>, right Lauren. <laughs> right. So, so. Jumped on this zoom it's on Lauren. <laughs> The spirit has alighted on Lauren like a dove right now. She said the leapfrog. You oh. cannot
1: do a leapfrog of denial. Yeah, so we have to do the work of- Absolutely. The soup we're in, the air <laughs> we breathe <laughs> in order then to come to one another before the throne of God. Yeah. And see each other as nothing more or less than yeah. a fellow human being, so.
2: You know how long it took me to get to this? This raceless gospel?
1: <sighs> Seriously.
2: Started when I was 19, for more than 20 mm. years. I'm still working through it, Um, but it is, as your father mentioned, um, it's a foretaste of the kingdom. This is how God sees you.
1: Amen.
2: it does take a whole lot of work, lots of conversation. It's it's what Howard Thurman would call for me. It's my working paper. It's Mm -hmm. the only thing I want to do. It's the only thing I care to do is to divest myself of race so that I can see myself as God sees me. I refuse to be a stranger to myself.
1: Mm-mm. To be introduced Mm-mm.
2: to the world by somebody else's projection of me. I want to yeah, see right. me. I really want to see me, without race. Yeah. Who would I be if you told me, if you, if, you've, if I had never heard the stereotype of blackness Same. and what black, What would it? Who would I be? Yeah, yeah. Without these stereotypes, this stereotypical way of being, this this prepackaged existence. I want to know what that looks like. I that's want to know right. what I sound like when I don't feel like I have to talk white. That's right. I want to know what my voice sounds like and mm. not be afraid to be without conforming to the image of whiteness. That takes time. And there's no mm-hmm. leapfrogging, there's no dodging questions.
1: No. Question. no that's, that's a lot
2: of self confrontation, to your point. Yeah. To
1: yeah. your point. It's a good word, Starlet. Mm-hmm.
2: Did, did the spirit jump on me? Did
1: it? Huh. It, jumped. Yes, it did. It's did. Its, <laughs> it's making its way around the Zoom the room. making the rounds. Today. <laughs> I, heard, I heard someone the other day call it the upper Zoom. And I
2: was like, right. "Okay, uh, my gosh, writing that down."
1: And Andover Newton—they call I, it the Upper zoom. The Upper Zoo. Come on,
2: Pentecostus. <laughs> when you I, ask I, good questions, you get really good answers. I,
0: I have a theological thought as well, uh, be because of this First Corinthians chapter thirteen verse uh, twelve. Uh, spoke to me, I, I thought of, uh, again, this question Four is, uh, how can we become neighbors? When we are afraid of each other? Yeah. And, and then it reminded me that it, uh, since God sees all of us as God's own creation. But we can't see each other as God's creation, then what's missing is that we all need to see God before we can see each other. Ah,
2: there's no deep knowing of self without a deep now knowing that, of God, yep, God. And there's no deep mm-hmm. knowing of God without a deep yeah. knowing of self. Come on, sir. Come yeah. on, sir.
0: Because if we only see each other, we only see the superficial. Yeah. The apparent, the the, the easy part of it. And I know this sounds somewhat theologically evangelical, but until I mean, this is where the the gospel message is preached. It is what we believe in as uh, as Christians, is that when we are able to see God through Christ, mm-hmm. we can then have reconciliation and 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 justice and the uh, recognition of each other as uh as equal and 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 affirm as people because short of that we see each other as less than god created yes so there is this uh triangle if you want to say that uh that all has to be understood before reconciliation and and racial justice takes place Mm. and it doesn't deny our, our our identities but in some ways it it fills it it, 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 it blesses it because God created all of it yeah. you see yeah. anyways I just wanted to
2: I'm glad you said it no said race that. would suggest mm-hmm. that I'm you're kin to me if you're skin to me mm-hmm. and if we don't appear the same if our skin color doesn't appear the same and we have no relation. And I have no reason to speak to you. That's the problem. That's just one of the problems that I have with race. With God, there's a deeper belonging. Like I feel very much connected to you two, and it has nothing to do with race. Like yeah. absolutely nothing. I was getting ready to fight somebody for Lauren.
1: Well, the, I know you were. I really was. Well,
2: I still the, the, feel the, it in my story. here's
1: here's the other thing, and I know I don't want to go over time, but here, here's another thing. There's a there's a book I read. Um, it's around animal theology. So here's another thing. So, you know, this is a whole, whole again, another podcast or another episode entirely. My dad and I are both plant-based eaters. I'm a vegan. He's a vegetarian trying to get him there. But here's the thing. This guy talks about Adam naming the animals and, and the significance in how we name what we name. And so we can talk about, um, about, about, about color and race. And then we can also talk about spe- speciesism. Right. Yes. That, that again, um, you know, why, why is it so difficult to see, um, all of God's creation as good, all oh. of God's creation as sacred and all of God's creation worthy of respect and dignity It's because of how we name things. Yes. So he talks about Adam named, you know, a, uh, a, a, a chicken and a chicken. A chicken, a chicken, maybe. Um, But now we have named that chicken um, dinner or or commodity. And then Adam named the cow a cow. But we have named the cow leather, purse, Lord have mercy. Okay. So that relates to race as well. Yes, it does, because right? we are renamed. Absolutely. Because we rename, we rename as commodity, as slave, yes. as less than, yes. as sub- subservient or subordinate. And so- um, Migrants. As My Lord. migrant, as yes. foreigner, as other. Immigrant. All those yes. things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm.
2: Last so question, man. I'm so glad you said that. Yes. Because a part, what happened with, with American slavery is that they renamed African people. one mm-hmm. of the first things they did was take their name away. That's uh, right. And, and stop calling them African, which socially dislocates. They called us Black, mm-hmm. so that we have no place to go back to.
0: Mm. Wow.
2: <laughs> there is no Black country. Right? There's no country called Black. There's no, no. language called Black. That's Those right. things are created in America. That's American, made.
1: That's right. To your point. Because we're
2: renamed, because somebody else named us, we are lost Mm -hmm. and disoriented and don't know who we are or who we belong to.
1: That's right.
2: Last question. I don't know if it can get any better. My gosh. (laughs) But I believe it can because I got profits in the house. So this woman is brilliant, by the way. I'm sure you all already know that. Like she's incredible, like amazing. So Kathy Park Hong, she writes in uh, Minor Feelings. What do you want to say? What do you want to say?
0: No, she has the book.
2: <laughs> so do I. I knew you did. Come on, bibliophile. Are you serious?
1: I know you have the book.
2: This one, Oh, I, I'm horrible. I'm dangerous uh, 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 in a bookstore. My Lord and my God, help us. Uh,
1: but she we're going to catch. We need to catch up. You,
2: my bless you and your ministry. Uh, I have books. Well, it's not my fault. I read the C.S. Lewis, uh, and when he was growing up as a child, um, that there were books everywhere.
1: That he yes. bumped
2: into them. That they were piled up. There were stacks of books. Yeah, he would go into the kitchen or the living room or by the dining room table. There were just books everywhere. Now, mine are a bit more, um, <laughs> a bit, uh-oh. What, what are we doing?
1: Listen here! I'll show you this picture.
2: <gasps>
1: <laughs> so what I'm holding up, listeners, is this oh my piece gosh, of art I that I it. found. And it's basically a library, he- ceiling, floor to ceiling of books. And there is a toilet with toilet paper right in the middle. So one heaven. not, what, it's called heaven. The artist called, may not artist leave. Called heaven. One, no, no need. No, no need, need to leave. leave. You have
2: all that you need right there. <laughs> I love books more than I love people. <laughs> I will choose a, I'm, a, I'm also an, in, I'm an introvert. You're I will pick too. a book, you can't anything. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> I'm a high-functioning. Uh, You're high-functioning. I'm a high-functioning introvert, you have to be, especially in ministry. You don't want somebody, and, and my name is Starlet, like, come on, Starlet. You have to, you know, put on the show. It, it just comes with the name. Uh, mm-hmm. But we have digressed. Don't start, don't start talking about <laughs> the, the brilliant, I love people who name things and who call a thing a thing, and she does that. So Kathy Park Hong, uh, she writes in Minor Feelings and Asian American Reckoning, she says, Patiently educating a clueless white person about race is draining. It takes all your powers of persuasion because it's more than a chat about race. It's ontological. It's like explaining to a person why you exist or why you feel pain or why your reality is distinct from their reality. Except it's even trickier than that because the person has all of Western history, politics, literature and mass (laughs) culture on their side proving that you don't exist. So how does the body of Christ work to deconstruct this image of socially colored whiteness and sovereignty and supremacy uh, and subsequent erasure of all other images of human being and belonging? It is hard work to
1: push back. Yeah, it is. And this is the the soup and the air that we've been talking about. Because we're trying to persist and resist within that same bowl of soup. (laughs) <laughs> ah. and, and, and they got the dominant flavor, right? We're the Ooh. seasoning maybe, but they're the dominant flavor. And so here we are trying to try to do the work in the midst of all that. And yeah. so, um, I'm so glad you, you referenced Kathy Parkholm because she, I've, i I got this book recently, so I'm not all the way through it, but, um, she is a fellow graduate of Oberlin college, which is my alma mater. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about that. And, oh, um, up. Yeah, I have to give that shout out. But you know, so the other thing she talks about in the book that you'll you'll recall, Starlet, is that she talks about the scrubbing of ethnic markers mm. from 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 creative writing in her mm. context, but all forms of expression. Oh yes, and oh, yes. Um, and I love that because she's talking about how um, you know there are things you don't there are things you don't write about. There are things you don't um, that, that are that are ever separated from your race. So for example, I'm, I'm a poet, I'm a writer. And every time I write a poem, if it's about my race, I get all kinds of likes and comments and feedback, which I'm grateful for. I'm glad the conversation ensues, but I can't, when I write a poem about something that has no ethnic marker, like I write a poem about the mountain that I like to hike on, or I write a poem about my motherhood and my daughter's daughterhood would would you guess that it doesn't get nearly as much right uh response here's why (laughs) because um i'm never a human being writing about the mountain i hike on the world sees me as a chinese woman writing about the mountain i hike on i'm never just a mother thinking about how to care for her daughters i'm an asian mother thinking about how to care for her biracial daughters.
2: But you would be if you were socially colored white.
1: That's right. Because that is the dominant, right? That's that narrative, again, that's a dominant. So um, it's only because I am a divergence from the main flavoring of that that (laughs) soup. And so, and so, um, and there's this great illustrated um, uh, uh, piece. By an Asian artist um, and writer that I, I can't think of the name right now, but it's it's talking about that. It's saying, "I don't want to fight today. I don't want to. I don't want to write about race today. I don't want to write about gender today. I don't want to write about my sexual orientation today. I don't want to fight today. That's right. I just want to. I want to write about things white girls write about. Mm. I want to. I want to. I want to I write about the, the 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 kid I got a crush on. I want to write about the movie I just saw. I want to write about." the meal I just ate. I want to write about the things that white girls get to write about.
2: Oh.
1: Right. So My I think God. that the work, I think that the work we do, because you ask, you know, what is the body of Christ work? Is is to is to is to strive, continually strive towards worshiping and, and following God with all of who we distinctly and collectively are. Right. So we're not trying yeah, to participate yeah. in, in any type of erasure no, absolutely. of our distinct distinct diversity recognizing that by simply being we are the image of yes. by simply being we are already the image of god we're not aspiring that's to right. a white centered right. image of god we, right. already that image. Right. That's right. That's we already right.
2: are that image that's right that's right we already yeah. are
1: that image that's right
2: untouched untouched no additions
1: that's right
2: we have we already are who we are who we are supposed to be i guess is if that's what bothers me. It's that removing of the
1: layers of sediment sediment again. Yeah. Because it's there, it's there, but we have to mine for it. Yeah. And it's a deep dig. A deep dig.
2: Because it's a serious pile on, um, to your point, about when you found out with your first social critique. It's a serious pile on from there. I mean, it it starts very early on about who you are and will be and who you are and will never be and who we see you as and who you will see yourself as, which is totally different from who I actually am. It took me a very long right. time to realize, this is not me, this is not me, this is not me. Oh, I don't have to do that because that's what socially colored black people do. I don't have to like that. I don't have to do that. I don't have right. to follow that pattern. I don't have to go that way But because we are socially conditioned to do so and that's to right. live and exist and, and to live, move and have our being in whiteness. That's right. Which is totally different from living and moving and being in Christ, in
1: Christ. Mm-hmm.
2: but the mm-hmm. two have become synonymous. Um, there's a conversion, mm-hmm. there's a conversion that happens when we mm-hmm. enter into race, mm-hmm. you have to change. You have to submit to the, to the dominant narrative, which is why persons change their body image.
1: I would That's uh, right.
0: Add to uh, what you just, both of you just said about the dominant uh, world that we live in. Um, uh, you know, we've gone through uh, some very uh, 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 drastic changes of, of uh, who we are and, and the people we have become. And, yeah. and so I, I sense that the, the country is going through a c- correction, if you want to say, mm-hmm. trying to figure out uh, what is our national compass. Yeah. Um, so for example, just taking a look at how we celebrate months so February is Black History Month. Uh, May was Asian American History Month.
2: Don, you know I don't like that. June I say celebrate yourself every day of the week. Was, I don't need anybody to tell me that when I'm awesome.
0: And was when I'm Pride Month? Okay. So we almost have I think the country is going through this self-identity crisis. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And
0: and and we know that voter uh, re, uh, repression in the states is due to the fact that some white people just can't believe that uh, people of color are making up the majority of our country. So oh. they're trying to uh, uh, trying to push back against that. But my point is that I would say that I would close with a story. Uh, Lauren and and her son, uh, 10 year old Cannon and my wife Joy will be going on the 4th of July to uh, downtown San Francisco. And that um, I will then receive on behalf of my family the U.S. Congressional Gold Medal for the fact that my father enlisted in the U.S. Army during World War II because over 20,000 Chinese Americans served in World War II, but they were not recognized.
2: Oh my gosh. They were
0: not remembered. And so there has been a national project to uh, uh, record all of these uh, 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 men, primarily men, who serve in all branches of the military. And once it has been verified, uh, through uh, all kinds of documentation, uh, we then get the recognition. So so I will be going, uh, wow. they, they are only allow four people per family in order to not only receive the medal, but to document the fact that uh, Chinese American men uh, contributed to the defense of this country mm. during World War II Mm. They were willing to die for this country even though they were not yet citizens. And because they served honorably, they became citizens. And so that's one story among thousands, if you want to say, that have not made it to the American historical canon that needs to be told in our uh, public schools in order to then create a landscape of who America is for tomorrow, you see. So as long as white hegemony and dominance continues to prevail, we need to add to the history as well as to correct American history so that our future generation can have a fuller and more truthful understanding of what America is.
2: You know, I'm having a full circle moment. So doesn't that mean that you're not too short that you're not mm. too weak that your physicality was just what they needed hmm. that's why my mouth opened that's yeah. why i gasped like that just brought me right back yeah. what was said about the body which is not true and you got a medal to show for it that's good, that's good. oh my gosh thank you so much oh my gosh thank you for having incredible. us incredible Thank you so much. I want to thank our guests, Don Ng and Lauren Lisa Ng, and extend to you, our listeners, an opportunity to know this Jesus, whose salvation is not smoke and mirrors. Invite this Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, to journey with you and heal you of the body blows to your faith because of race and its progeny. The Raceless Gospel Podcast Season 2 is brought to you through the generous support of Fellowship Southwest and American Baptist Home Mission Societies. You can support the work and witness of the Raceless Gospel Podcast by giving to Good Faith Media. Please visit our website, goodfaithmedia.org. This concludes this episode of the podcast, but not the conversation. Let's keep doing this body work. Head over to Our Fellowship Hour at Raceless Gospel Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Raceless Gospel Pod on Twitter. Absent in the body, but present in the Wi-Fi spirit. I'll see you there. On next week's episode of the Raceless Gospel Podcast, we'll hear from Christian Owens and talk about shame-based theology and body positivity.